Amen. Thank you for that. If you have your Bibles with you and you'd like to open them with me, I'll be in John 17. John 17. We sang about unity today, and I think unity is something we all long for and wish we had. I think we wish that the world was experiencing unity, but the world, well, there's a lot of fighting and biting going around in the world. I think we long for unity, but where you and I, the different places where we work, especially the bigger the organization, I think the more likelihood that it'll be divided and they'll be contentious and it'll be frustrating. And then there's, then there's church, and we long for unity at church. But I bet if you've been going to church for very long, I bet you've experienced not unity at church. Is there, is there anything worse than church that is divided and bitter? That's so horrible, isn't it? Can we just say that? It's horrible. When churches are divided and bitter, we, we want unity. But maybe there is something worse than church divided and bitter, and that would be families that are divided and bitter. And there's just stuff that families just never talk about. There's just stuff that families know they can't talk about or just won't talk about. There's something maybe worse than families being divided and bitter, and that's marriages being divided and bitter and just having stuff they can't or won't talk about, stuff they can't or won't negotiate on, stuff they can't or won't love each other past. The bitterness, division, that... That's a tough thing. We long for unity. We long for unity. And so as believers, I want to talk to you about unity today. But I think in a room this size, you kind of have to say, in a room this size, there's probably some that just haven't decided yet whether or not they're believers, whether or not that this is for them, whether or not they follow Jesus. They just, you know, maybe you're in a spot where you just aren't sure. And you're just here and you're just kind of curious. And I would guess if that's you and you're just here and you're just curious, you're just not sure whether or not you believe this stuff about Jesus, you just haven't decided whether or not you're going to follow Jesus, I would guess how Christians treat each other would be a key factor. Are Christians divided and angry and bitter? Or do Christians love each other? That would be a key factor in you making a decision. This is what we're going to talk about today, because this is what Jesus prayed about. So before we look at this, let me pray. Lord, I pray that you would stand in front of me while I'm in front of them, that you would talk over me while I talk to them. Do this for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Here we are, John 17, and Jesus praying for unity. I do not ask for these only. What is, what is he talking about there? Who are the these? That, yeah, it's the disciples, the apostles that are gathered, that are in the room with him. But he's not just praying for them. He's praying for someone more. He says, but also for those who 
will believe in me through their word. Who's that? It's us. He's praying for us. Amazingly, Jesus is there praying for his apostles, but not just his apostles, but for those like us who will believe in Jesus through the apostles' words. This is Jesus praying for you. This is his prayer for you and me and us. And it's about unity. That, okay, so this is what Jesus is praying. This is what I'm praying for those who will believe on Jesus through Jesus' words. This is the purpose statement that. That they all may be, what are those next, what's that next word? One. Jesus prayed that we would be divided into camps of people that we agree with. Is, is that what? It, no. He prayed that we would be one. This is Jesus' prayer. He prayed for our unity. Now, how unified should we be? You know, what kind of unity are we talking about? Well, the unity of the Trinity is the kind of unity that we're talking about. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you that they also may be in us. So just like the Father and the Son are one, that's one, that's united, in the same way, may they be one like we are one. Because they're part of us, because we are part of Christ. Can I just wave my arms and say, that's a really high bar. But how much unity do you want? Do you want a little bit of unity or you want a lot of unity? Jesus prayed for a lot of unity. So that, okay, so he prays for our unity, and then he says, how much unity? Well, just like the Father is in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that, now here's the purpose statement, what, where is all this unity going? So he prays for God-like unity for us. Now Why? What's the end game that he's looking for? Where does he want all this unity to go? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. If Jesus were pitching this to me, he's like, Here, here's the plan. Uh, I'm going to come, and uh, I'm going to live, and I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise. And here's the plan, Nathan. The plan is for the world to decide whether or not I'm legit based on the church's unity. I'd be like, well, maybe there's a different plan we could try. I'm not sure I trust the church with something like that. I'm not sure I trust me. I'm not sure I trust that. I don't know if I come up with this plan. This is Jesus' plan. This is what he's praying, or at least this is the reality that he's acknowledging. The world will make up their minds about him based on us, how we treat each other, how we talk about each other, whether or not we take care of each other. So he prays for this godlike 
unity for us so that the world will know that he came from the Father. The glory that you have given to me, I have given to them. That is another stunning statement that is too hard, it seems like, to even comprehend. But I think what he's saying is, the, my glorious character, the love that I have for them, that, you, that came from you into me, I am now giving this glorious love to them. Now, what's, what's the goal of this? Why would he do this? That they may be, well, that there would be some stuff they don't talk about. That they, would, that they would be divided up into preference groups. That they would be one. Huh. How one should we be? Even as we are one. That's a high bar. I in them and you in me. So where does the unity come from? It comes from Christ. Us, us being in Christ as the Father is in Christ. So we are in Christ, like moving from the Father to Christ, to us. I in them and you in me. Now this is a process that they may, ready for this? You're not, I mean this is, that they may become perfectly one. What does Jesus want for his church? It's so obvious you don't want to say it. He wants unity. He's praying that we'll become one, that we will be unified. So that, now why does he want this? Why does he want us to be unified? So that. The world may know that you sent me. Hey, he's already said that. I think what he's trying to do is emphasize it. I think he wants us to know that our unity is an incredibly important testimony to the world. So, three reasons Jesus prayed for unity. And the first one is our unity is tied to, is hitched to, his credibility. Another way to say it is our unity is his believability. Again, I'd said, you know, if, if Jesus was pitching me this plan, I'd be like, you know, there's other things to hitch your believability to. Like, if we're talking about what you should hitch your believability to, you know, this is like a hitch. You hook it up to your lawnmower or whatever, garden tractor, and you put this hitch in here, and now it's attached. And this goes wherever the garden tractor goes. I wouldn't hitch my believability to the church's unity if I were Jesus. But Jesus says, I will be in you, and I will be with you, and you will be one. And this is what I'm praying for, that you will be one, and the world will believe based on your unity. So let me ask. 
How are we doing? How are we doing on this unity thing? We could talk about us right here. And I think we could and we should. I was thinking bigger than that. This is, this is a little less uncomfortable. Bigger than that. How are we doing as a nation on this unity thing? And I was thinking, well, how many different kinds of Baptists are there? So I went to the authoritative source, Wiki. And I got on Wiki, and I'm looking around, and I found a page that listed all the different types of Baptists in North America. So this is just North America. I'm not talking about the world. I'm just talking about North America. In North America, there are more than 50 different kinds of Baptists. I was relating that to a friend who grew up in a Baptist church, Baptist circles, and he's like, only 50? I mean, that's just Baptists. We're not talking about all the other denominations. And Jesus tied his credibility to our unity. And at the same time, you have to say, well, I mean, I don't understand why. I don't understand it, and I don't understand how it all works. I know it's broken, I know it's frustrating, and I know all that. But at the same time, you have to say at some level, this is what Jesus prayed for. And you know what? Jesus got what he wanted. We have been united on some level because here we are. Think about where we are. We're in Allegan, Michigan. And so I mapped it. I mapped how far away are we from Jerusalem where Jesus prayed this prayer. Where Jesus prayed this prayer in Jerusalem, I think, is about 6,104 miles away. We speak a totally different language than they do. This is 2,000 years later. We're on a different continent. They didn't, no one in Jerusalem at the time, besides Jesus, even knew this continent existed. And here we are with a physical plant and a budget and children's programming. You have to say, it worked. Here we are. Because we agree, he came. He lived in perfect obedience to the Father. He died on the cross for our sins. He rose again on the third day, and he'll return again. Jesus prayed for unity for three reasons. The first one was his credibility, his believability. The second one is related to it and it's in this next phrase so that the world may know so he's praying that we may become perfectly one it's that process that we may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me so who's the them well you can kind of see it on the board there my shot at it the them is the world so that the world will know who so that the world will know that they are loved even as God loved the Son. So the Father loves the Son and the world is going, how much does God love us? Well, just like he loves the Son. 
That's, that's incredible. I wouldn't believe that if it wasn't in the Bible. But God is so much bigger than me, I can't even comprehend him. Now, how in the world is the world going to ever believe that's true? By your love for each other. The world is going to go, oh, that's what God's love is like. So, they'll believe John 3.16. For God so loved the world. How will they believe for God so loved the world? By your love for them. And by your love for them. That's how they'll believe John 3.16. That's how they'll believe 1 John 4.14. For the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Jesus prayed for our unity. Number one, because it's his credibility. Number two, because it's his plan to reach the world. Our unity, our love for one another, even though we're different, even though we can be frustrating, even though we can be human, our love for one another is the hope of the world. It's the world's hope of understanding and believing God's love. Would you, even if you're on the live stream, if you're on the live stream or if you're here, would you hold up your Bible? And if your phone's on your Bible, that's cool. Just hold it up. Just hold it up. Awesome. Thank you. Didn't really need to do anything with that. Just wanted to wake you up. So, <laughs> kidding. So, so you've heard it said that you, singular, might be the only Bible they ever read. You've heard that said. Like, you singular, when you go out into the world, you might be the only Bible they ever read. You know, they ever read. So they'll watch your life, and when they see your life, they'll decide things about God. Jesus would put it differently here in this passage. I'm not saying he'd disagree with that, but I'm saying in this passage, he would put it differently. You know how he'd say it in this passage? He'd say, we may be the only Bible they ever read. We. How we treat each other. How we talk about each other. Whether or not we take care of each other may be the only Bible they ever read. Would you say we with me? And if you're on the live stream, would you type we into the comments? Ready? One, two, three. We may be the only Bible they ever read. We, our unity, our love for each other is God's plan for the world to understand his love. Jesus prayed for unity for three reasons. The first one was believability because he knew that his believability was hitched to our unity. He prayed for, for our unity because it was his plan for the world to understand his love. And third, Father, 
I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. So he's prayed this before, that we would be taken up with him into heaven. To see my glory that you gave me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that, here's the goal, the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Why did Jesus pray for unity? Well, first, because it's believability. Second, because it's his plan for reaching the world. And third, because love is his nature. This is what he is like. So if he is going to indwell us, we will become more and more like him, more and more loving, unified people. This is what he is like. So, there are a couple different ways to think about unity. One way is to think like cookie-cutter model, like we all have to be exactly the same. So we all look exactly alike, and that way we're all... It's like uniformity rather than unity. So we all look alike, we all sound alike, we all do everything alike, because we're all alike, so that way we can all be unified. Another, is, is that what Jesus meant? Like cookie-cutter unity? You already know it's not. But then, okay, what does he mean by unity then? Well, another model to think of is like a football team. And I picked football because in football, the players can look so different. So you think of like an offensive lineman. Huge, hulking. And then you think of a kicker, mortal, you know? Like if you're, in, if you're in a back alley and you have to pick one of them to fight. I bet I know which one, you know, the offensive lineman or the kicker. You know, if you don't know anything about football, let me just tell you, you'd pick the kicker. Or you think of defensive linemen and wide receivers. You know, if they're in a lineup and you have to ask, okay, which one is the defensive lineman and which one is the wide receiver? I bet you could pick if you know anything about football. So you think of like, they all are on the same team, they're all moving towards the same goal, they all want the same thing, but they each have different parts to play. That's unity too, isn't it? But think of, it's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. Part of the team that you don't see are the trainers. They don't have trainers, they won't last very long. Part of the team that you don't see is the transportation people that get their stuff and get them where they need to go. Part of the team that you don't see are the tax accountants. They don't pay their taxes, they're not going to play. Unity, in that sense, can mean we're vastly different, but we all have the same goal and we're all moving in the same direction. Now, this idea is much more like the unity in the Trinity, where the Father sent the Son. 
And the Son poured out the Spirit. There, there's unity in the goal of saving us, but they each play different roles. The Father sent the Son, the Son died on the cross for our sins, and the Spirit is the one who indwells us and perfects us. It's unity, but it's not cookie-cutter uniformity. It's unity of purpose and unity of movement, but it's not being exactly the same. And this is, this is how we think of unity as a church. There's unity, but it doesn't mean we're all exactly the same. This is even, I think, how I kind of reckon with the different types of churches. We can be unified and agree that we all agree that Jesus came, Jesus lived, Jesus died, Jesus rose, Jesus will return, but we can look different. We can look different. We can do church differently. And one pastor that I really respect said that it takes all different kinds of churches to reach all different kinds of people. And so we don't have to have a cookie-cutter model of church. We can just agree that we're all on the same team and we can cooperate with each other. Even if we look, sometimes act differently. So Jesus prayed for unity for three reasons. First, because of his believability, because his credibility was tied to it. Second, because it's his plan so that the world understands that he loves them. And third, because it's what he's like. So what should we do? Well, here's what we should do. This is my invitation to you, I guess. Would you pray for unity like Jesus prayed for unity? I mean, it would be good to pray for unity on a global level, that we as Christians would be one and we'd Remember each other and care for each other and pray for each other and think of each other, help each other. It's also true that it would be good if we prayed for unity on a local level. So we pray that the congregational kitchen succeeds in feeding people. We don't try to compete with them in that. We pray that um, Christ's community succeeds as they have the food pantry. And so we don't have a food pantry because we trust them, and we cooperate with them with the food pantry. We pray for Allegan Bible Church's after-school program. We love what they're doing. We're cheering for them, but we don't, you know, we don't have to compete with them on that. We, love, we host Love, Inc., which brings a bunch of churches together because we believe this stuff. Would you pray for unity on a local level, that we as churches would keep cooperating with each other even through the culture wars that are happening right now. There's also more local than that would be our church. Would you pray for unity here? Would you pray for unity among these followers of Jesus? Would you, would you pray for unity in the ministry that you're part of? Would you pray for unity among the different ministries, between the different ministries? Would you pray for unity 
in your family, between you and your parents, you and your kids? Would you pray for unity between you and your spouse? Would you pray for unity? This is what Jesus prayed for, that we would be one. We started out talking about how, you know, not everybody has decided to follow Jesus yet. In this room this size, or watching online, there's probably some that haven't decided yet. Well, here's what Jesus said. He said, you could watch us. He said, you could watch how we treat each other. You could watch how we talk about each other. You could watch about how whether or not we take care of each other. And as you watch us, you could decide about him. May God make us one. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for how you love us and pull us towards yourself. I thank you that you love us with laying down your life, putting us first, dying on the cross, love. Help us love one another like that. Keep interceding for us. Keep praying for us. Help us have your heart for unity. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.